Welcome to Life Insurance HQ, the podcast. I'm your host, Jason Miracle. Today is March 14th, 2022. Welcome and thank you for joining us. We're glad you're here. If you want to get more information about us, you can visit miracleco.com. That's M-E-R-I-C-L-E-C-O.com. You can always email us at lihq at miracleco.com. Again, that's lihq at miracleco.com. Today, we're going to talk about permanent life insurance, more specifically, universal life insurance, and how different what different universal life products are available, how they work, what are some of the pros and cons of each, and what might make sense for somebody considering a universal life policy. So let's get let's get right into it. Generally speaking, at a very high level, there's two types of permanent life insurance policies out there. One is whole life, which many people are familiar with. The other is universal life. Now, in those two categories, you're going to have subcategories, but really the biggest difference between the two products is how the policy cash value is credited. With whole life, it's based on a dividend rate that's determined by the carrier. With most universal life policies, generally it's based on some type of crediting rate. That's what we're going to talk to talk about today. Um, universal life tends to offer a little bit more or quite a bit more flexibility than whole life when it comes to making premium payments and ongoing maintenance of the policy. Whole life tends to have more guarantees than most universal life policies. So let's just dive into it and talk a little bit about the different universal life products and how they work. Probably the most common form of universal life insurance is what we call current assumption universal life insurance. So if you've ever been shown or seen a universal life insurance illustration, you're going to notice that on the what we call ledger page, which is the page that has all the numbers and ages and death benefits and premiums and cash values, you're typically going to see um, two columns with, let's just call it uh, four columns beneath it. On the left, you're going to see what's called the guaranteed assumptions. And the right, what you're typically going to see are the current assumptions. And this isn't uncommon with most universal life policies and how they're illustrated. So inside a current assumption universal life policy, you're going to have four components. On the guaranteed side, you're going to have a guaranteed minimum crediting rate. That guaranteed minimum crediting rate is the minimum amount a carrier can contractually credit to the policy cash value. At older policies, let's say you have a policy that's 20 years old, a UL policy, you're going to see guarantees around minimum guaranteed crediting rates around 4%. In today's environment here in 2022, you're going to see guaranteed crediting rates generally between 2 and 3% and not that 4 that we had 20 years ago. You're going to have a second component, and that's the guaranteed cost of insurance. So those two components are going to be what drives, uh, they're the contractual obligations of the carrier that they can't either go under or charge more for. 
And then on the right side, you're going to have the current assumptions. Now, while you might have a guaranteed crediting rate of two and a half, there may be a current crediting rate of 4.3%, 4.5%. Every, every product's going to, to differ, not only by carrier, but within product in the carrier. So let's just say we've got a guaranteed crediting rate, but we've got a current crediting rate of four and a half. And then we have current cost of insurance. And so the current cost of insurance is going to be less than the guaranteed cost of insurance. But at any time, the carrier can reduce the current crediting rate down to the guaranteed crediting rate. They can't go below it, but contractually, they can take it down to that 2.5%. Conversely, with current cost of insurance, it may cost currently $1 per thousand of coverage. Contractually, they may have the ability to charge up to $3 per thousand on a guaranteed basis. That's not to say that they will, but they have the ability to do that in situations where uh, longevity starts to decline and more claims are paid. And so you have these, again, you have these four components, our guaranteed crediting rate, our guaranteed cost of insurance, our current crediting rate, and our current cost of insurance. And we have this, it doesn't really matter what universal life policy, type of universal life policy you have. These components exist almost in all of them. What we're going to get into by policy type is how the cash value is credited. So um, really what's going to change as we go through the different products is our current crediting rate may be based on some other assumption than what the insurance company is going to credit. So getting back to current assumption universal life policy, if I have a client who, let's say, is in his 60s and he wants a million dollars of coverage, on a current assumption product, I'm going to go into the software and I'm going to say, okay, based on the current assumptions, what is the level pay premium or annual pay premium for that million dollars of coverage to last to the insured's age 100 or beyond? What we call beyond is to maturity. And what we typically do is we design the policy that you're, so that you're done paying at age 100 or age 85 or whatever you want. And depending on how many payments are made is going to determine how large the premium is. So if I'm assuming a 4.5% crediting rate, the, the carrier software that we use is going to assume that this policy is going to be able to earn 4.5% every year for the life of the policy. And based on that 4.5% and based on the current cost of insurance and the million-dollar death benefit and the 60-year-old client, it's going to come back to me with a dollar amount that shows the annual premium. It may say $12,000 a year for a million dollars of coverage on a 60-year-old. I don't know. I don't have the numbers in front of me, but let's say that's what, what, what it is. Um, so it's going to be based on the current assumptions. Now, inside of that product, there are going to be guarantees but that premium, that $12,000 premium, isn't going to be enough to guarantee under the guaranteed assumptions 
get the product to maturity the way we are under a current assumption scenario. And so what you're going to see is, uh, based on the current assumptions, as long as we pay that $12,000 a year and the current assumptions don't change, the policy will last forever. Now, what happens if the carrier takes my current crediting rate from four and a half down to 4%? Well, a couple things happen. If I don't adjust my premium, then my coverage isn't going to last for my entire life. In fact, it may only last to my age 90, depending on when the carrier did it and whether or not it's going to sustain itself. So for instance, I got the policy today and it's at four and a half. And a year from now, the carriers drop the current crediting rate to 4%. Well, that's going to impact the policy performance a lot more than if I was in the policy for 15 years at four and a half percent, then it dropped to four. Make sense? So what's going to happen is if the current crediting rate goes down, a couple as an individual policy owner, you have a couple options. One, increase the annual premium based on that new 4% current crediting rate. It may go up to $15,000, but that puts the policy back on track. Or, and I've seen a lot of clients say this over the year, I'm not going to live that long. So they're okay with the coverage not lasting to maturity. But, you know, if it lasts to 92, they're okay. If they get to 92 and they still want the coverage, uh, it's going to require a, a pretty significant premium at that time in order to keep the coverage going. Um, but that's something generally that we'll start addressing right around age 80 to make sure it doesn't happen uh, and becomes less costly. Now, on the, the other option is we could take our million-dollar death benefit, do a solve to determine how much coverage, I, how much I can lower the coverage, reduce the death benefit to make sure it's enforced to maturity based on my $12,000 annual premium and my 4% crediting rate. By doing that, it may come back and say, well, if we reduce the death benefit from a million dollars to 930,000, that'll still last to maturity. We've given up $70,000 of death benefit, but we haven't had to increase the premium and we still have the coverage in force for the rest of our lives. So that's a current assumption policy. Again, carriers reserve the right on a current assumption UL to take it down to the guarantees. And we've seen, what we've seen is we've seen some current crediting rates match the guaranteed crediting rates. We haven't seen a lot of adjustments with the current cost of insurance. And so typically it's, it's that crediting rate that gets reduced down. So you may be saying, hey, Jason, I, I really wouldn't be interested in that type of policy. There's too many moving parts. You know, I thought insurance was insurance. We make a premium payment, we put it in the drawer, we forget about it, and we move along. And that's not oftentimes the case, which is why we tend to be big advocates for policy reviews, especially for policies that are five years or older that haven't been reviewed. Uh, especially with what's going on at the carrier level right now. The second type of universal life 
policy is a no lapse guaranteed universal life policy. These are great policies when you just want to set it and forget it. A lot of times we will have current assumptions in a no lapse guarantee illustration, but the premium is based on the guaranteed assumptions. And so what do I mean by that? Well, it essentially works like a permanent term insurance policy. So once you acquire the coverage, the premium will never change. And everything within that product is absolutely guaranteed from the cash values to the death benefit to the premium payment. 100% guaranteed with one caveat. The premium payment has to be made in full and on time. Otherwise, the policy guarantees can go away. So as long as premiums are made in full and on time, that death benefit is guaranteed to be there when you pass away for your beneficiaries. There is nothing the insurance carrier can do as long as you make premium payments. They can't increase the cost of insurance. They can't change the guaranteed rate. They can't do anything. We are seeing some products that are guaranteed products that have current assumptions. But generally speaking, with no lapse guaranteed product, you're not going to have a lot of cash value in the policy like you would in a current assumption UL because it's all going to the guarantees of the contract. Now, what we're seeing right now is we used our 60-year-old example for a million dollars of coverage for our current assumption UL. What we're seeing with no lapse guaranteed products right now is they're running a little bit more expensive than current assumption universal life. So if I'm paying $12,000 for a current assumption product, the, the premium for a guaranteed product is going to be in that 14 to 15 range in all likelihood. But you've removed any risk that the carrier can make changes to the crediting rate and the cost of insurance. So you're paying a slight premium for that ability. Now, in today's environment, it isn't terrible to think that current assumption crediting rates are going to go down. So at the end of the day, they may equal out depending on what your outlook is as it relates to insurance carriers being able to maintain a, 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 a consistent crediting rate, um, not only now, but into the future. Now, the third type of universal life policy is what we call an indexed universal life policy. Indexed universal life policies are relatively new to the industry. I couldn't tell you exactly when they came about, but if I think about it, it was right around 2004, 2005, 2006 that some of the first indexed universal life policies were uh, issued by any insurance carriers. I, I remember American General probably being one of the first. Um, now, what an index universal life policy does is it's not terribly different than a current assumption policy, but instead of the carrier issuing a current crediting rate, the carrier actually takes what they would have otherwise credited the cash value 
and uses it to purchase options to secure uh, how the policy is credited. So what happens when we get an index policy is typically there will be one or two or three or four or five different index options, okay? The most common index is an S&P 500 point-to-point index. What they do is they look at the value of the S&P 500, the beginning value today, and the ending value one year from now to determine how the cash value is going to be credited. So if the, the, val- the beginning value is 1,000 today, and one year from now it grows from 1,000 to 1,050, that's 5% growth. So they're going to credit the cash value 5%. Now, if it grows from 1,000 to 1,200, most indexes will have what we call a cap, which is the maximum amount an index account can earn. So if the S&P grows by 20, but I have a cap rate of 10%, then the policy is only going to be credited 10% in years where the index performance is greater than the cap rate. Now, cap rates can be adjusted up and down. It's largely a function of what is available uh, in terms of the insurance carrier being able to secure options um, to satisfy their obligations to the policy owner. Now, what makes Index Universal Life really unique is that um, while there may be a cap and you may not like the idea of not being able to earn the entire amount, they also have a floor. So in years where the index may have negative performance or negative returns, most carriers are going to credit that policy zero. So in in index segment periods where you know the index's performance is minus 20, that policy is still going to be credited zero. Now remember, it is an insurance policy, so there's still cost of insurance expenses and things like that, that need to come out of the policy. So it's not a true zero, but in terms of what the policy is credited, it is zero. Now there are other indexes. There are a number of index options that you need to consider, but if you are one that thinks um, the S&P 500 or any of these other indexes are going to outperform what a carrier is able to do in a current crediting environment, then it makes sense to look at Index Universal Life. Where we're seeing Index Universal Life used the most right now is for accumulation purposes, where we've got, let's just say, some type of predefined budget that we want to allocate towards an insurance product because of the tax benefits. Um, In those cases, what we're trying to do or what we do do is we reduce the death benefit down as much as possible so that we can get as much money into the policy as possible without creating a taxable contract or a modified endowment contract. And then at some point in the future, we're able to take distributions from that policy in the form of a withdrawal or a loan um, so that that's not taxable to us. And then uh, any remaining death benefit goes to our heirs or repays the loan at the carrier level. So again, 
index universal life is a lot like current assumption universal life, but instead of being credited a fixed amount by the insurance carrier, they're using that amount to purchase options to secure the index allocation that you've chosen in that policy and how that index performs over whatever period it is set is going to determine what the cash value is credited. Now, I would encourage you, we've done some previous podcasts on Index Universal Life where we get more in-depth as to how these products work. But today, we wanted to just talk about how these different products are credited, how their cash values are credited. And so, again, and in an index policy, you have cap rates. You also have participation rates, which affect how uh, the index segment is credited. There are a number of things. I wouldn't go into index product blindly. I'd go into it knowing what's going on. I would encourage you to work with an advisor who understands index products um, and how they work and what we should do and how to allocate indexes and, and, and things like that. So the last type of universal life products is variable universal life policy. And a variable universal life policy is a policy that has, now let me back up. In indexed policies, we do have access to a fixed account. In variable life policies, we have access to a fixed account. And so you're not totally exposed. You can always go into the fixed account that's gonna credit a current crediting rate, just like a current assumption universal life policy. In a variable universal life policy, instead of participating in the performance of an index, we actually have sub accounts that work and look a lot like mutual funds and allows the policy cash value to participate in market performance of the chosen sub accounts. And so you'll have a number of different options from, you know, small cap growth, large cap growth, value, uh, large cap value, all kinds of different sub account options that you can essentially create a diversified portfolio within the policy and earn market returns based on the performance of those sub accounts, both positive and negative. So unlike an index product, a variable life product, you may get, you know, if you're in the S&P 500, you may get, and it does 20%, you're going to get that 20%. If we go back to 2008, where the S&P lost 38%, you're going to lose the 38%, unlike an index product where we have that floor, what a lot of people like to refer to as zero is your hero. So variable life can be a great way for uh, somebody who is bullish on the marketplace, one, to either secure uh, life insurance for protection or two, to use it for accumulation. Again, negative, just like a current assumption universal life policy, Negative performance, negative performance is going to require more premium to go into the policy. But if you believe the market's going to return 15, 20%, then the premiums are going to be lower in that situation, typically, than a current assumption UL product, a no lapse guarantee product, or an index product. But you're also taking more risk. And so it's really up to you as the potential policy owner to determine which of these four products make the most sense given your situation. And I think that's what's most what's most important is what are you trying to accomplish? And, and once we understand that, then we can look at different policy options to determine what not only what type of you know universal life policy assume we're not assuming we're not using a whole life policy will fit 
into your needs and what we're trying to accomplish. Um, the other, and we talked about earlier, the other benefit of universal life is its flexibility. If I don't want, you know, if I've paid into it for four or five years and I don't, I don't want to make a premium payment this year, nothing says I have to, as long as I have cash value in that policy, the pulse, the coverage is going to continue, but at some point in the future, it will either lapse unless we put more premium, or as I like to say, gas in the tank, or we're going to have to pay higher premiums to get it go. Uh, longer. So universal life is a tremendous, tremendous product. Again, you have current assumption, universal life, no lapse guarantee, universal life, index, universal life, and variable universal life. And depending on what you're trying to accomplish is really going to determine what product we use, how we fund it over what period, et cetera, et cetera, and go from there. Um, We hope you enjoyed this podcast. If you have any questions, you feel free to email us at lihq at miracleco.com. Again, that's lihq at miracleco.com, M-E-R-I-C-L-E-C-O.com. You can also visit us on the web at M-E-R-I-C-L-E-C-O.com. Thank you so much for your time today. We'll look forward to talking to you next Monday. Talk soon.